Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and it's always a joy to have you along with us. And today we've got a wonderful guest with us who's going to be sharing about uh, people who are 50 and plus. Now, just because you're not 50 and older, don't turn this off just because you're out of that age group, okay? Hang with us because if you're not there, chances are you got a parent that's there, and they could benefit from this. So, Rebecca, we're glad to have you today. Welcome to Hope Along the Journey. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, Rebecca and I go back a few years. Um, I did some chaplaincy training, did two units at a place called Twin Towers, not the ones that came down in New York, another set of Twin Towers. (laughs) Let's get that straight. In Ohio, and Rebecca was one of the instructors and was one of the chaplains there. And she just did a great, great job, and we've stayed in contact since then, and it's just a joy to have her with us. She not only has been a chaplain, but she is a life coach and a pastor, and life coaching is what we really want to focus on here in just a little bit. But you're also a wife and a grandma. Mm-hmm. Tell us about tell us about your kids and grandkids. Okay, sure. Well, um, my husband Dan and I have four adult children. Um, they're range in ages from 27 to 33. So they're all pretty close in age. Um, they live in Nashville. Um, a couple live in Ohio and now actually three live in Ohio now. And then we have three grandchildren. So our oldest grandchild or granddaughter is, um, 12. Then we have a grandson who's eight and a granddaughter who's almost seven. Wow. Aren't grandkids the best? They are the best. Yeah, I, I think that's one of way, God's ways of making getting old sweet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I could say it that way, you know, it, you know, it's it's just great because every time around those grandkids, we just feel kind of young again. That's you know? right. It's that's exciting. Right. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, one of the things that we that I mentioned was that you are a life coach. So take a few moments here and just kind of explain to the audience a little bit about what a life coach is and what kind of life coaching you do? Okay, sure, sure. Well, um, a life coach is um, really, it's just someone who um, is sort of a thinking partner okay. for people that they work with. So it's not someone who has all the answers and is going to tell you what you need to do. Um, it's kind of the opposite of that, actually. And in, in a lot of ways, Mark, it was like being a chaplain where you do a lot of listening to people. Yes. Um, the focus with life coaching is really listening for people's hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. um, what they would like to um, like to see happen or who they would like to become, mm-hmm. um, where they're feeling led, uh, maybe so, what some of the obstacles are in the way, and then just giving them the encouragement and sometimes the accountability, sometimes just helping them do some brainstorming about, you know, how to get where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and celebrating with them when they when they hit those milestones. That's great, you know, uh, because life coaching 
is really on the rise. I mean, it seems to become very popular. I'm seeing more and more people who are becoming life coaches and more and more people who are turning to life coaches. Why, why do you think that life coaching is becoming so popular and so many people maybe are looking to it in, rather than maybe traditional counseling, though traditional counseling has its benefits? What, what is it about life coaching that you think is drawing people? Well, I, th- I think it's um, a couple of things. I, I think it's just becoming more mainstream. People are mm-hmm. beginning to understand a little bit more about what it is and how it's different from counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, I actually believe it can be a complement to counseling. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we're more sort of future-focused, um, working on goals and practical things where a counselor or a therapist would dig into you know, the, the issues and maybe go into the things that have happened in the past more and, and focus on that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's also becoming more popular because people understand that it's not necessarily a question of, oh, do I, do I need a life coach? It's more about what could I accomplish if I had somebody as a partner to work with me on these things. That's great. And I like that idea of, of partnering with people because that's kind of what I feel when I talk to life coaches is that that's kind of like I come alongside you mm-hmm. and ask those important questions, those open-ended questions to try to feel out where you are and what you're looking for, because that to me is so important. And you're right. I think that does a lot like chaplaincy where you do a lot of listening mm-hmm. versus just giving people the answers. So what are some of the areas that you enjoy doing life coaching in? So what are some of those areas of life that oftentimes you find yourself helping people and coming alongside them in? Well, um, I, it's funny because I've, um, I've done life coaching mostly with people 50 and older. And so I'm, I'm sort of focusing my coaching business on that area, although I do work with people of, of all ages, adults of all ages. Mm-hmm. But um, retirement coaching was a big one that, that came up um, right away. And, you know, I always kind of had this idea in my mind that, you know, someday when I retired, things would just be wonderful. I'd quit working and everything would be perfect. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I just ease on into that transition. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> but what I, what I actually saw um, working as a chaplain in mental health was that that is a really difficult time for people. Um, and, and I may say more about that later. Um, I want to mention grief coaching though also, yeah. because again, grief is, um, you know, one of those, one of those types of things where it can last for a long, long time. Yes, it people, can. yeah, people go through it at their own pace. You know, there's no, there's no set, um, stages of grief. We hear about the stages of grief, but it's really more kind of like a roller coaster yes. than it is, you know, a straight, a straight path. And so, again, having a person to walk alongside of you as you go through that healing process. Yes. Um, a lot of times when people are grieving, the people that are around them are grieving too. Maybe they've had the same loss or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they have things of their own. And um, sometimes when people know each other too well, they, they can't be as supportive of each other. So the grief coach is someone who mm-hmm. can help them to see that there's hope Um and validate what they're what they're feeling. Right. Um, help them overcome some of those misconceptions about grief yeah. that we have out there. Like, oh, you should be over it by now. Boy. Um, and we, you know what? Somewhere we're going to have to have another podcast and be a recording because I, I, I really would love to talk to you more even about this because I think you're absolutely right, Rebecca. It's so misunderstood, and and that whole like 
it's time you get over it. That kind of conversation happens so many times. And, and grief is not a one-size-fits-all. There is no timer on grief. And, and not only that, but grief can circle around and come back and hit you again. Oh, yeah, it does. And I think people think you get a certain point, you're beyond it. But boy, then turn around, at least for me in my life, it's like I might go a period of time and all of a sudden, wham, it just hits you all over again. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah, we're going to put that on the shelf. Okay. Yeah, down low where, the, where I keep my cookies. We're going to put it on the lower shelf so we can get to it. But we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about that at some point. But, you know, you mentioned about this 50-plus age group. Mm-hmm. Why is it that you feel drawn to that age group, Rebecca? Well, m- most of the people I know and hang out with are in that age group, including myself <laughs> and my husband. <laughs> and me and, and a whole lot right. of us, right? Right. Yeah. But but it's not just that. I, I think it's an, an age group that, you know, there's sort of assumptions in society about that. One of those assumptions is, oh, you're good. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're financially stable. You're, you know, emotionally stable. You've been through life's experiences. You're, you're good. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that happen, you know, when you yes. get um, in your late 40s, your 50s, um, your 60s, you you know, maybe that's when you lose your parents. I know some people lose their parents earlier, but, um, you know, there's there can be loss of a spouse um, yes. in yes. that age group. Um, then you, you talk about things like retirement, um, life transitions. If you have children, you know, they're leaving the nest. Yes, um, yes. Grandparenting is wonderful, but again, that that may be one more you know, wrinkle that that gets um, brought into the picture. So, just a lot of um, life stressors that are maybe overlooked, and also a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's sort of maybe a thought that you're kind of on the downhill slope mm-hmm. once you hit a certain age, 45 or 50, and um, and really, it's not necessarily like that. There's a lot of untapped potential there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, a lot of a lot of living left to do. Yeah. Well, you know, a couple a couple of things I want to pick up on. Uh, one is you talk about stressors too, and I I'm trying to remember if you said this or not. But then you put add to it our aging parents on the other end. Mm-hmm. So you've got the grandparents, the kids, you know, your grand your grandma, you got your kids, you got your grandkids, and and then on top of that, for you and for me. We've got aging parents. Right. And so these people in this 50-plus age group are really dealing with a whole lot that's, you know, because even now with my mom and and your parents, uh, it's just there. that really adds to that, doesn't it, that mix, especially when you throw in an aging parent as well. That's right. That's right. Lots of lots of people in, in our age group are caregivers or they're, you know, they're helpers or at the very least they're concerned about their parents. They want to be present with them and yeah. make the most of, of this time. And um, yeah, it's it's a big deal. And in certain segments of society, you got a lot of grandparents raising their grandkids. That's true too. They're parenting their grandchildren and, and at an age when, again, they don't have all the energy. <laughs> Hopefully you got a little more wisdom, but you don't have all the, you know. So there's just a lot that goes into this age group. And I appreciate the fact that you are focusing because I think it's kind of a neglected age group mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I would agree. And I like what you said about, you know, that there's still a lot of opportunity because we laughingly have said for many years, you know, jokingly, over the hill. Right. You know, but when you start thinking about your life as being over the hill, then we begin to develop this 
downward. Like from here on out, it's just not it's not going to get any better. It's just going to be downhill from here on out. Mm-hmm. So that reversing that is important, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Right. So let me just ask a couple other things here, Rebecca. You, you just, I just so much appreciate what you're sharing here. Uh, so what are some areas you talked about, some areas you focus on? Are there any other areas besides grief and retirement and some of that? Is there any other area that you often focus on? Yeah, I, I just do general life coaching with people where, you know, they may have um, – Nothing in nothing in particular. They would just like to, you know, have a coach to talk to. Maybe they don't need a therapist, but a coach would be an appropriate person. Mm-hmm. Um, or I do some leadership coaching, so coaching oh, yes. with um, nonprofit executives, pastors, um, people in leadership positions. That's that sort great. Of thing. That's yeah. awesome. I'm going to throw a, a a term out there. Do you do you encounter a lot of people who feel like they're stuck? Yes. Yeah, that's, you know, it's like I'm just stuck. I'm, I'm treading water. I'm on a treadmill. I'm going nowhere. I just feel stuck. Do you encounter some of that? And if so, how, how do you work with that when you face people who feel like they're stuck? Yeah, that's a great question because I do hear that um, from people a lot, feeling like they're stuck in, in one or more areas of their lives. And um, I think that just having the awareness, you know, that that stuckness, and usually they can describe a little bit more about it and I also believe people more or less know how to get out of it. Um, sometimes they have ideas. Um, maybe sometimes they they need resources or they need suggestions or they just need to hear themselves. You know, if you can speak back to them the words that they're saying, mm-hmm. when they hear it, they can have that aha moment where they're like, okay. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more of the listening and, and just helping people tap into their resources, um, helping people maybe sort out what it is that's keeping them stuck. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's just a jumble of things in in their mind Mm -hmm. that um, all add up to feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. But when they can sort of sort through what those are, maybe even write them down, and then we can come up with a plan to tackle those. um, That's great. They can work through it. Yeah. And And I think you're right. Oftentimes people do know the answer. Or they're close, but you, it's like that sorting process, that putting a plan together, you know, a roadmap, like how would we, how could I get to this point? Mm-hmm. And if I get there, what's it going to look like? You know, when it, so if you were to, if you were to be fill in the blank or what would that look like for you? Exactly. And because sometimes you, how do you know if you're successful if you don't know what it looks like when you get there, right? Right, so, right. Well, that sounds yeah. fun. Do you really enjoy what you're doing? I love it. Yeah, I really I, do. I can tell you yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. So what what is one of the greatest joys you have in doing this? I, I think it's even more than helping people, you know, solve a problem, which again, I think they usually mm-hmm. know sort of what direction they want to go or what they need to do. It's helping people under, understand themselves better. Yes. Okay. Um, appreciate themselves more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, realize that they're stronger than, than they think that they are. They're more capable, more resourceful, more resilient. Um, so seeing people begin to really believe in themselves again and gain confidence. I think the, the goal of coaching, at least for me, and probably a lot of other coaches, is to work myself out of a job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really it's meant to be a short-term relationship. So yeah. when you see people gain that traction. Mm-hmm. 
And that's in, and that's often very different from counseling, where people can actually, again, it's it's helpful, it's needful, it's 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 an area all on its own. But people may be a year or years in counseling or therapy, whereas this is much more short term. On the average, about how many weeks or months do you invest, oftentimes, in the average person? I would say it's an average of three to six months. Grief coaching, longer, probably more like a year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the average person, they can make a lot of progress Mm -hmm. in three to six months if you're meeting with them once a week or a couple times a month. Right. That's great. So I told you I was going to ask you this question and and focus a little bit on, like, what are some of the challenges or maybe some of the fears that you see when you start working with especially this age group? Mm -hmm. What are some of those challenges and fears that you encounter? Yeah. It's it's interesting because um, I'm doing a retirement coaching group right now. Um, it's my first group coaching that I've done. But um, it it starts with conversations about things that are, that are kind of more practical and on the surface. Like, um, I need some help managing my schedule or, you know, I need to, I need to, find out, you know, whether I want to go back to work or volunteer, very practical things. Mm-hmm. But as as we talk more and as we dig deeper, we get to the heart of things, which is relationships, identity, purpose, meaning, all of those things, mm-hmm. faith. And that all eventually comes out in, over time. Sometimes it does, yeah. Sometimes it does, yeah. yeah. And so so those are become the deeper challenges um, do you find, what about with men and versus women? Are women a little more open to life coaching than men or is it fairly balanced? What are you finding out there? I've, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> I've probably with, with both. Being a, yeah, yeah, probably with being a, a female, you probably get a lot more ladies who come to you, but not necessarily. I wouldn't think it would just be all ladies that would turn to you for life coaching. Right, right. And, you know, with retirement coaching, especially, I think um, I was just talking with, with someone about this. Um, sometimes it's it's the men because it's, it's just a big leap for them. And often, yeah. you know, men, especially as, as we get older, they don't have as many people to talk to. Women... You know, we've got our girlfriends and we can talk about our feelings. I hate, it sounds stereotypical, but, you know, sometimes men are really kind of. Yeah, in general, they are, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And then they find this big transition in life that was supposed to be a piece of cake and that they were supposed to just crush it like they've done in their whole career. And uh, it's not happening in many cases, is it? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And then again, they, you know, I, I don't, can't speak for everybody, but, you know, now we're in that age group where I'm starting to see some of my friends and schoolmates pass away. That's right. I just turned 59, and already some of the some of the kids I went to school with, high school with, are gone. Mm-hmm. You know, there many of them are passing away, and it's just like, what's happening here? And I think wrestling with your own, own sense of mortality. Right. And does that sometimes come up in your discussions, the sense of mortality and and life seems to be suddenly waking the fact that, you know, I've only got maybe so many more years left. I'm in the last quarter of the game here. You that's know? right. So that's right. Yeah. In fact, in my retirement coaching group, um, last week we talked about your legacy. So things like how you'd like to be remembered. Um, what are the things that you want to to do, you know, before you before you leave? How do you say the things that you 
need to say to people. Mm. So for example, um, in, in hospice, they talk about the four things that matter most. And those are really four statements. Mm -hmm. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. And I love you. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. You're, you're getting down to really pretty deep stuff and, Mm -hmm. and helping people to think about those things. Yeah. So talking about relationships, because you and I have seen this working with people, um, do how do you occasionally? I'm sure you do. Run into these situations where there's unresolved relationships that people are wanting to. They want to get things patched up with their kids or with with another sibling or something. Do you run into some of that as well? Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, again, that's probably one that having a therapist would help. But you know, sometimes a coach can help too. I I just um, wrote an email newsletter about difficult conversations. Okay. And uh, one yeah. of the things that I've done with some of my clients as, as a coach is just to imagine how would you like that conversation to go? And then sometimes we can even role play that conversation. So if it's a conversation, maybe where, you know, you need to ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. from somebody mm-hmm. and you don't know how they're going to respond. You know, we can think that through and, and think about how do you keep yourself centered and focused if, mm-hmm. You don't know how they're going to respond. Maybe they are appreciative or maybe maybe they're still angry. Yeah. Um, but we can think that through and then they can come back and tell me how it went. Mm-hmm. It's a tough conversation to have, but if you have yes. somebody to help you prepare for it and then talk about it afterward, it, it makes it more doable. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's, do you ever encourage letter writing? Are you more... Encourage, or do you focus more on face to face when you have these difficult conversations? What or is is it kind of a mixture, Rebecca? I think it's a mixture, just depending on the person's preferences and, and mm-hmm. abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not physically able to go to where the person is or have a face to face conversation, or maybe they're just a person that processes better by writing their thoughts, mm-hmm. um, then a letter could be a great way to do that. Yeah. Letters can be really powerful. I mean, even letters to people that are already gone. I mean, I, I know in my own life, I remember writing a letter for someone who had already passed away and going to the graveside, reading that, and then destroying that letter. But I remember how powerful that was, and it brought some sense of closure, Yeah, you know, when I did that. So what, are, so what would you say would be like just one or two fears like, what are people afraid of? And maybe it doesn't come out initially, but in time, what do you think people are most afraid of when you work with them? Um, even in, in terms of being afraid of like in working with a coach or just in facing whatever it is that they're... Yeah, when in working, yeah, that's in working through whatever it is they want to, they need to work through. What are some of the, the predominant, one or two of the most predominant fears that people are facing, mm-hmm. do you think? Um. I think one of them is, and I'm thinking along the lines of leadership coaching now, is um, imposter syndrome. You know, what if people okay. find out I'm incompetent? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> and people that are that are asking that are they're great, you know, yeah, and, but yeah. but they need to. We need to talk through that. Yeah, you know? and sometimes it's well, you know, what if. What if you make a mistake and mm-hmm. people see it? You yeah. Know? Then what happens? Well, they they probably, 
you know, maybe they, maybe we laugh about it, or mm-hmm. maybe they tell me about a mistake they made mm-hmm. also, or or maybe they get upset with me, but mm-hmm. the world doesn't end. Yeah, you know, yeah. you you move forward. Maybe you learn from it. Mm-hmm. You know, you model how to do that for people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you're talking about leadership, and you think about making mistakes and some of that kind of thing. I think too. And here I am with my I'm my therapy session. Here we go for the next <laughs> minute or two. But I think, too, you know, as a pastor, 59, I never thought that I would begin to second-guess myself as to whether or not I'm getting too old to do this, mm. whether or not, you know, somebody much more capable has more energy, newer ideas. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I wonder, especially for people in their 50-plus, if they don't wrestle maybe with some of that, like, if I make a mistake, then it only shows that it's probably time for me to go. Sure. And and that's sure. a horrible feeling. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And, you know, there's there's some truth to it, but um, it's not the whole truth. It's not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great book out there that I want to mention. Okay. Um, it's by Arthur C. Brooks, and it's called From Strength to Strength. And um, he... He writes, uh, I don't know who he writes for, but he writes a column. He was the, um, I believe he was the CEO of the American Enterprise Institute. But he started doing research Mm -hmm. um, on aging. And one of the things he discovered, I don't don't think it was his own research, but he was reading the research and writing about it, was that um, we have two kinds of intelligence. What's called um, your fluid intelligence, Mm -hmm. which I... I hope I'm not mixing this up and getting it backwards, but your fluid intelligence is, you know, when you're younger and you're acquiring knowledge and you're learning mm-hmm. and you're thinking about new things. And and then, you know, that drops off at a certain age. And depending on your profession, it may drop off in your 30s or, you know, maybe sometimes even in your late 20s in mm-hmm. some professions and some a little bit later. But then we have crystallized intelligence, which... Um, is that cumulative knowledge, we might even call it wisdom, yes. that comes along. And um, and that grows. And that knowledge um, and intelligence enables us to do different things. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, a pastor who maybe um, makes a mistake and, and thinks, wow, you know, does this mean I'm, I need to be thinking about retiring and giving this up and letting someone newer do this? Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's the energy question. Yeah. Um, yeah. But – it helped me to remember that we bring a different set of gifts yes. and a different intelligence. Yes, we do. At, at this age. Yeah. You know, we can sit through lots and lots of experiences with people that maybe would have rattled us in our younger days, yes, or true. we would have just not known <laughs> what true. to say. And, yeah. and you know, now we just know that there isn't anything to say. Yeah, now we know just keep your mouth <laughs> shut and listen. Yeah. Right. And that's enough. You and that's enough. That's it's right. It's enough. So yeah. it's a different kind of intelligence that we learn. And that's where also mentoring comes in. That's you know, great. Yes. We can mentor people like a younger leader who are, you know, coming into this and they don't have those experiences and life lessons. And we do. And I think that's where so many people in our age group undersell themselves is in that mentorship role. I think we think that nobody wants to be around us, you know, but honestly, there are a lot of younger people who want, they want the advice of a sage, or they just want to, they just want to do some life with you to learn from you. And I, and I think that's, that oftentimes we don't, we undersell that role of mentoring that is really necessary. 
the key, and again, that goes back to giving us value, giving us meaning, giving us purpose, all of that. So, well, Rebecca, we're going to wrap it up here. Before we do, I'd just like for you to maybe give give some of your information out there so people could contact you if they would like some life coaching or know more about what you do. So give us like your website, give us your email, some of that information if you would. Sure, sure. It's uh, my business is called Grace and Truth Coaching. And the website is www.graceandtruthcoach.com. And you can reach me at Rebecca at graceandtruthcoach.com. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been a joy to have you here today. Wasn't as bad as you thought it was. No, not too bad at all. (laughs) You're a great coach. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. And listeners, thank you today for listening to Hope Along the Journey. We appreciate so much your listenership and support of this ministry. If you have time, please go to our website, and when you get to the website at www.hopealongthejourney.org, there will be a screen that will pop up that will say, Stay in Touch. We'd love for you to sign up to our newsletter, and we'd love to be sending you the newsletter via email, so please sign up. Also, if you would like to, contact us through Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm out there on all of those sites and social media. Or you can shoot me an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening today. May God richly bless you. As I say and mean with all of my heart, Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to him, he'll help you to find hope along the journey. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.